super, super throwback, super throwback, September. September. Super throwback, September. I don't know what the fuck that is, but it just it just sounded like with this special. Super, super throwback. Throwback, you know, it, like we need, we need like an awesome like DJ drop for this. I don't, I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> Welcome back to Super Throwback to the Classics, the cinematic movie podcast that takes you back to the iconic films of twenty years ago and beyond. Right here on the Big Three, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Spotify. I am your guy, Jan Lonzo. With me, of course, is Danger Neff, David Danger Neff. How you doing, partner? Dude, we are now finished kicking off Super Throwback September. I'm. I'm beyond I'm beyond excited for this. And the point of it all is to make you feel as 90s as possible. Right. So let's let's uh let's be a little bit fair. So what is like what is a 90s movie? Like like we all know we we every time you watch a movie and it, and you're like, "Oh, I really want to see like an 80s movie." Like what's an 80s movie? And so, you know, you'll say stuff like say anything or weird science or something like that. Right. And it's something that has a ludicrous plot, right, mm-hmm. that gets a little bit sillier, and they find a way to kind of make it up at, at the end of the day. What 90s does, at least for me, what 90s movies do for me is it's almost the same thing. You get, you get this kind of almost, almost a ridiculous plot, uh, all over-the-top writing, but it's, it's, it represents a, a moment in time that is locked in this box of time that you that, – that, that, you can't go back to those times, but you definitely pull that stuff out the box. Right. Be like, I rem- I remember when pages were a thing. Right. I remember when cross colors was a thing. I remember when big brick cell phones were a thing, you know? So a 90s movie, there, there's a lot of qualities to 90s movies, and, and it's funny because obviously that's all we've talked about with, with Back to the Classics is movies from the 90s because, you know, we take it back 20 years ago. But 90s movies has a very... Actually, we're going into the 2000s. We're going into the 2000s, baby. Oh, man. We're actually changing the decade, guys. Oh, man. (laughs) But a 90s movie has a couple of qualities that I always think of. First of all, like one of the most classic ways to kind of do do a 90s movie is that they do this thing where they do product placement, but they're not trying to do product placement but it's, it's absolutely subtle. there it's subtle but it's you know? in your face though like like Wayne's World does a fantastic bit where they basically go like a minute uh, out of the entire runtime of the movie where they're just basically talking about product placement and but but they're like yeah if we were getting advertising dollars from from Pepsi you know and just like and like doing doing all that and so it's ridiculous mm-hmm. But that is something that's so prominent in '90s movies. Um, Rookie of the Year is a very is a very good example of that. Oh, any any movie that that has a a, a police station scene has a some sort of a Coca Cola vending machine somewhere around there, and it's just it was subtle. It, it was always played subtle, but it's always in your face. Like you know, it's there when it's there. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then other things that uh, were were with it. There's like. <laughs> it's it's funny because it, it, we we think about like all right a, a good example is like Good Burger. Yes. We tie that back to a TV show, and while they had that in the eighties, it wasn't nearly as prominent as it would get like later on in right. the future, obviously. Right. But like, uh, they, they, there's there's so much uh, with it. Here's here's a good example of a nineties movie. You know how they used to kind of make like like the movie Hackers. Mm-hmm. And they try to make it seem like cybersecurity is all supposed to be. And they try to make it like super like extreme and cool and whatnot. And so like 
bro, you, you all know you're on dial-up right now. Right? Like, <laughs> what you're what you're bringing up doesn't really happen for like another good while. Every '90s movie has like that hacker supporting character, yeah, right? Or or uh, skaters and surfers mm-hmm. like that. That like that just rings '90s to me, and right. especially like surfers because that's just that it, it, you know the killer bra. You know that was that was all '90s for me. Yeah, it, it, listen, '90s just represents a time when. Things were simple at the same time, it, quite complicated. But at the same time, it was it was something that, you know, take Friday for example. Friday was it was it was a simple movie about two guys on a on a day of the week. Uh, you know, basically, you're basically going through this um, this day in the life of, of people who just in the other this this could be any one of us going through this wild day. Because it's the beginning of the weekend. It's it's fucking Friday, right? So anything can happen on a Friday. So I love the fact that something as so something as simple as of a concept of Friday, or furthermore, let's say like a um, a Bad Boys or right. or uh, uh, what we're talking about today, as big and boisterous as it's gonna be, it's so simple, and it doesn't require too much. You know, it's not it's it's thought provoking, but it's not you're not required to. Do your homework and really gotta know, dig deep. Unless it's one of those movies where you really have to like think about it. The other, uh, there's there's two other qualities in my eyes that makes a '90s movie a '90s movie. Um, and the first one is something that's actually going to relate a lot to the movie here is natural disasters. How right. many natural disaster movies? came out in the 90s from twister you had volcano mm-hmm. you had dante's peak mm-hmm. you know you just had all this like stupid deep impact armageddon yep. you know everything had to deal with either environmental uh, awareness and some or, came out in the same year right and, and environmental awareness or how to deal with with disaster and disaster things right but the number one thing in my eyes the number one thing that uh makes a 90s movie and not a 90s movie is the voice of God himself, Don LaFontaine, in a world where the world is completely underwater. Listen, if that guy can narrate my life, <laughs> that'd be fantastic. It would, it would either... Today, Julian woke come up. On. He was on Booty Call. He, he actually was a voice on Booty Call. In a world. Of all things. In a world. When you start... Listen, when you start anything with in the world, it's going to be some deep shit. Right, I'm exactly. And, and in my eyes, that's when you know you're watching a 90s movie. In the world, where is he alive? No, he died. He died several years ago. Oh man, rest in peace, man. Right, but but that, every time I think of like the nineties, a trailer wasn't a trailer without that without that guy's voice. Exactly, he was in every fucking trailer. Also, <laughs> when, you, when you realize that time is running out, oh my god, what's gonna happen next? <laughs> Shit! Um, all right, so he hyped up the movie. So he he was he was the flavor flav of nineties uh, movies. Flavor flav of, of flavor trailers. flav. Uh, how was your week, man? Uh, day 15 of infinity, bro. Yeah. Shit. How was your labor day? I worked. Oh, you know what? I got off an hour early. So, um, I kind of had home and kind of started, you know, figuring out the show a little bit and, and other projects that we got coming up and, uh, yeah, stuff, you know, good stuff. You ready to plug some beat stuff? Well, well, my weekend was great. No, I asked no, it I'm not gonna lie. To you. It, was, it was. I spent the majority. Well, of the you weekend, watched a whole bunch of movies. Right? Yeah, I, I spent the I spent the majority of the weekend kind of catch up on movies that I, I hadn't seen yet, so we can you know finally get our uh, top ten best of worst of the year put together. But uh, 
I, I, I'm a long ways away from putting that together. Oh, man. Uh, I can tell you right now, I saw a few things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Would you uh, say more on the best list or more on the worst list? Uh, well, see, it, it, it's my thing. When I do my list, I do a best movie candidate. I do a worst movie candidate. And it's the movie I just saw. Right? So a lot of so what I saw this weekend was primarily a movie I just saw. But... I did come across a few that would, oh, yeah, that definitely qualifies for a worst movie <laughs> candidate for sure. But uh, above all else, though, uh, re- relatively quiet weekend, uh, Labor Day. Uh, happy Labor Day to all the uh, single folks out there. Hope you guys had a had an awesome day. <clears throat> happy Labor Day to all our military, firefighters, Absolutely. EMTs, police officers. Yes, even though we're a black podcast, police officers, yeah. definitely. Yeah. They're going to be keeping uh, the streets safe. At least in my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> take it. Yeah, yeah. Take it. Uh, so, with that being said, before we get into uh, uh, our first, can't call it annual, but our first uh, movie of super throwback September, let's do some plugs, man. What you got? <laughs> so, first and foremost, for those of you in the Las Vegas area who are looking to get into the podcast game or wish to record a music video or wish to record a video podcast or anything along those lines, be Network Studios or Beat Studios is the place for you to go. We are opening up our own studio. Uh, we opened up our own studio here that has uh, four mics here, a couch, some good cush. You know everything that you could possibly need. Uh, good cush, good cush. Yeah, uh, everything that you could possibly need to to have that uh, day to do so. Please check out BeatNetworkOnline.com and look for Beat Studios. Beat Studios for your booking concerns. Absolutely. All right, brother. What else we got? What, what's another plug we got going on? Well, oh wait, no, that that's the only, well, that's the only plug. Well, well, no, because the last plug that we had was was super throwback. September. Right. Okay. So hey, we're on super throwback. Listen to us in September, guys. So this this is what we'll do. This is what we we'll do. So so thank you guys so much for for rocking with this super throwback uh, September. We have some awesome movies coming up, man, for this month. Um, I will say this though, we are cooking up some stuff. Myself, Dave. The, uh, the the uh, the boys from the noise. The boys from the noise. We're definitely cooking up some stuff. Uh, September is is looking to be a very very awesome month. For, it's going to be uh, a lot for, of fun. For Beat Network. Yeah, for sure. And if, with, with with what me and Dave got going on, oh man, you have no idea. We're, we're going to take this movie shit to a whole another level. Just 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 sit tight. Just sit tight. But uh, <laughs> buckle your seatbelt. Buckle your seatbelt. Get a wild in that DeLorean ride. with us, guys. So um. Before we get to, to today's movie, uh, we wanted to get some movie news out the way, um, and that's really the, the biggest news that we've kind of gotten leading up to the release. Don't forget, It Chapter 2 does drop this Friday, mm-hmm. and that's getting, I, I don't want to say it's divisive, but it's leaning more towards positive, but the reviews have been a bit more in between. Yeah, they're kind of teetering, and and I think what it's going to be, first of all, this is a long movie. This is a two and a half hour horror movie. I don't know if and I could if I could do two and a half hours of being scared. Like, I don't know if I could if I could really. Pull well, it has off. to be constantly scary during that entire time. If there's a dead moment in there, like like you're gonna feel it, and it's gonna feel all throughout the theater. Um, from what I'm hearing, I I hear it's not as good as as the first part. Right. But if you remember the original second part of this, the miniseries. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't that good either. There is one scene that literally makes me laugh <laughs> more than anything, and and it's Tim Curry. He gets turned around by uh, Alan Rickman, 
and and he's all like, "Kiss me, fat boy." <laughs> I, I remember that scene. Kiss no, me, fat boy. Kiss me, fat boy. So it's funny because uh, uh, every uh, every future girlfriend has to say that to me now. <laughs> well, um, another movie that's getting uh, Ray reviews actually, um, but um, I'm gonna say right now when we first talked about the trailer, Dave didn't too much care for the trailer, but he has now come around. And I am now uh, happy, excited, ecstatic to know that, number one, the Joker Joker has premiered at the Venice Film Festival to a standing ovation of eight minutes. That's insane. Insane. My hand starts hurting at about 30 seconds. <laughs> but eight minutes straight? Shit. I mean, shit. Um, currently sitting at an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and that's that's and that's critics. That's those are the critics. That's critics, not fans. By, by that, comparison, the latest Dave Chappelle stand-up, which is phenomenal, uh, is saying at a zero percent, zero percent from critics because well, they just don't have a backbone, and you just you, you don't have a sense of humor, which and is crazy. Exactly. But um, here we are. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, read out some of these Twitter reactions. Uh, for the Joker movie, and Tim was thinking about it. Uh, this is from Terry Schwartz. Uh, I've seen Joker, and I fully endorse uh, Jim Vejvoda's. I'm, I'm fucking that up. Uh, decision to give our first film review ten out of ten of the year. I have to stop thinking about it. Uh, moving on, we got Rob Keys of Screen Rant, who says, "I saw Joker. Really dug it. It's a feature that steals your attention and requires time in the process." It's an acting showcase for Joaquin Phoenix a, and a story that's ambiguous and surprising, but one that really grounds Arthur Fleck's transformation. He also says, we don't get character pieces like the Joker anymore. And I, I hope this opens doors on that front. It's dark for sure, but also really rewatchable. Re I'll stick with you and make you feel for Arthur. It'll stick with you and make you feel for Arthur. Uh, Eric Davis of Fandango says, Joker is a bold, bodacious love letter to Scorsese's The King of Comedy, told through the lens of DC's most iconic villain. Dark, disturbing, brutal, and sad, it's about an abused man who doesn't start living until he's dead inside. I love that quote. I love that quote. Because that that literally shapes it up for you, like... Remember, well, we were too young to really see Falling Down for the first time, but... Remember oh, no, when, no, I, but I remember seeing it. But you remember seeing it, though? Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. When you saw Falling Down and you watched Michael Douglas' character literally begin to fucking lose it. Yeah. This is what this feels like. This feels like a combination of a Falling Down, of a King of Comedy, of a Taxi Driver. Not to mention you got De Niro in there. So I'm pumped for this movie, man. I am, too. I'm I'm a little, again, and, and this was something I iterated uh, several months ago, when when the first trailer dropped, because it was a, it, it was a concern of mine, you know, and uh, the reason why it's a concern is because of uh, because of kind of the impressionable society that we kind of live in right now. Mm -hmm. One of the things I don't want it to do is where people look at this character not as simply a, a sympathetic character. And and uh, and or, or see him as a sympathetic character. That's fine, but not to utilize it that because of the mental illness aspect uh, that's being played off. That this is why he becomes you know who he who who he winds up becoming, mm -hmm. which is 
a kind of a tough thing to say. From the reactions, oh, I'm pumped. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a lot more invested and interested than I was several months ago. Um, I still have a few fears that's going to come out, but to be honest, it's the same fears that would come out from like the 1980s when, when, uh, when you know Dungeons and Dragons were first coming out, and a kid would go and stab another kid and blame it on Dungeons and Dragons, and, right. and Gary Gygax had a had a had a deal with that, or the same thing with Mortal Kombat. And and uh, the, the kid who shot himself, or or the kid who shot his two friends, and blame now Mortal Kombat. Right. That's the one fear I have, and that and because that's going to take so much away from it. Right. The other side of it, honestly, is the last time that we got a good Joker <laughs> interpreted on screen. Uh, it was also one of the worst shooting massacres in in U.S. history yeah. with Aurora, Colorado. And or I'm sorry, that was Dark Knight Rises. So so, but he dressed up as him, right? You know, to you know, walking in there. That is what I'm afraid <clears throat> of more now, than anything. And because of that, that's where that I'm all for character pieces. And bro, like, trust me, I, I want this. I want this to be good. As a somewhat DC fan, I also don't believe in a origin story for Joker, but I'm open to it. I. Grab these last two quotes because I, I, these last two quotes of, from the reaction was it really does make you think. Like um, Mike Ciccini from Den of Geek, he says Joker is disturbing and uncompromising. It's not a superhero movie or even what you usually think of as a comic book adaptation. It's a horror movie and an effective one. Joaquin Phoenix is brilliant and unsettling. You can't think of Joker like any other DC film, but if nobody had never heard of the Joker before seeing this, it will still create a villain for the ages. And then Brandon Davis of comicbook.com says, I saw Joker and it is unlike anything before. The movie is dark, thrilling, and chilling. An insane masterpiece. The movie absolutely transcends being a comic book film and acts as a character study, which at times will make audience uncomfortable in wild ways. 10 out of 10. What I'm going to get out of this movie, <clears throat> correction, what I expect to get out of this movie, when you look at who is behind the camera, because Todd Phillips is a good director, you mainly know him for his comedy, but the fact that he's taking on this 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 dark subject, I'm quite interested, I'm, 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 I'm interested to see where it goes. But furthermore, I expect nothing but greatest from Joaquin Phoenix. Like, nothing but. Like, he he's one of those actors who... When he transforms, he transforms for sure. But furthermore than that, this is a movie, and and and, and trust me, I feel like people are going to agree with this. A standalone movie like The Joker is we didn't we didn't want this, we didn't ask for this, but no. it's here. No, we really didn't ask. We didn't ask for this, but I mean, nobody really thought like, huh? The backstory on The Joker, what would that look like? When, nobody, I nobody, when I first heard it, I hated the idea. Nobody even thought about it because usually the, one of the things about the Joker that, that keeps the Joker's uh, lore alive is the fact we know nothing about him. He just, he's, he's, he's the crown prince of, of, chaos. of chaos and crime, you know? Now that the movie is coming and people have now seen it and it's saying, listen, saying things like it's unsettling, it's uncomfortable, it's chilling, it's dark, it's... It's not a superhero movie. It's a fucking horror flick. So when I think about that, I think about movies like Hereditary and Midsommar. Yes. And that 
I don't know if I'm going to be okay with that, to be honest. Well, as far as like your overall thoughts on it or how you feel when you leave it? Both. <laughs> I feel as if, <clears throat> I feel as if, correction, I want to leave this movie theater feeling uncomfortable. I want, I want to leave the theater being like, I don't know what I just watched, but I do know. It's going to take me a little while to really let it process because what's on screen and what I'm thinking that this is even based off of and the way I think the movie's going to end is going to create some, 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 some conversation. Absolutely. So hearing what I'm hearing, using the word chilling and unsettling and dark and all that, that puts me in a place where I must see this movie. Let's talk about Todd Phillips for a second. Talk to me. Todd Phillips is known is absolutely known for his comedy, but mm-hmm. in my eyes, he also directed what sh- could be considered the best comedy of all time. If you're only going to watch a comedy once, and I mean literally one time watching it, and that's Borat. Did he do Borat? He sure did. He he wrote the screenplay for it. But Larry Charles directed Borat. Though. Yeah, but. Right. His screenplay mm-hmm. is what made it is what made it so so interesting, and I'll I'll tell you why. Borat's one of those movies, and I think he. I wonder if he's going to pull anything from this because he was nominated for an Academy Award mm-hmm. for Best Adapted Screenplay, and I don't know who won that year, but that's a tough sell to tell me that that shouldn't have won an Academy Award right. because the movie, as stupid as it is, I love Borat. I love it too, and I love it because it shines a light for exactly who people are and what they actually in 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 an everyday life, you know how their normal is, mm-hmm. and not so much when the camera is rolling. You know, this is just who they were as people. Now, obviously, it pissed off a lot of people, and people are going to say, "Man, what an idiot for for people to kind of say that." But Todd Phillips is one of those guys that that he kind of takes that. Uh, idiocracy of these people and turns it into something that's that's fully entertaining because of that you know and because of other comedies from old school old school is a classic will ferrell movie mm-hmm. uh due date is a very underrated zach galifianakis movie that no that didn't get its proper due mainly because the hangover came out just before uh, it came out before it like a year before, didn't it? <clears throat> right. Mm-hmm. And guess who directed that one? Todd Phillips. Exactly. Uh, Starsky and Hutch, even though it was based on a TV show, is a heavily underrated comedy uh, comedy as well. Uh, you know, and, and let's not forget that he was a producer on A Star is Born. So he knows uncomfortable. He knows how to make it. He knows how to make it stupid. He knows how to make it, you know, kind of rough for, for people to watch. My fear, more than anything with this, is that it is the movie, the movie's going to, because the Joker's always been insane, absolutely, but even the best portrayals of of Joker doesn't fully get you to that fully committed, uncomfortable zone. Right. You know, even a good example is uh, um, in, in The Dark Knight, Okay. Maggie Gyllenhaal and uh, and uh, the, the the scene with Maggie Gyllenhaal when he throws her off the roof. Did you know Maggie Gyllenhaal had never seen Heath Ledger with the makeup on before, before the scene that was actually being filmed? Hmm. So when she's trying to turn away, she actually broke her character at the time. But Heath <clears> picked <throat> up on it. 
and was like, hey, look at me. You know, and he's doing and he's doing that. And it's so it's creepy and but you you knew that something was going was going to be okay. With this movie, because you know it's not gonna be okay, it's going to I don't know, it's it, I think it's it can have a negative impact because of it. And that's what makes me afraid for it, because I do think that Walking Phoenix is probably if it wasn't going to be Heath, he was probably my number two pick to like, to play this character. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, like like even when Suicide Squad was announced, and, and I was like, Joaquin Phoenix, he's the he's the guy that creeps me out the most. And they chose Jared Leto. I was like, I was like, bad pick, like immediate <laughs> bad pick. And then they showed what he looks like. I was like, awful pick. This is no. He looks he looks awful. He looks you 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 guys could have done something completely different and made us feel better. About this character, but instead I'm getting, uh, I'm getting, I'm getting the worst version of this of this character of all time. So uh, overall, before we get before we uh, get to the main event, where is your level of um, excitement for this movie? I'm excited, but I'm also worried. Mm-hmm. I'm excited, but I feel that it could it could easily backfire within a year of mm. itself. That I think people are going to walk out of it. I think critics are hyping it up really well, um, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of like it's kind it's how I felt with Widows. Mm-hmm. You know, I really love the idea of what Widows was trying to become. The execution was shit, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry for those of you who who actually really did we go see them. that together? We did go see yeah. that together. We saw that together at the uh, Rainbow Promenade, and. As much as I wanted that movie, as much as I wanted to like that movie, mm-hmm. I just couldn't. And even when it comes on HBO now, I was like, I was like, this is just bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's what I fear uh, for this movie. So uh, Joker does drop uh, on um, October third, third, yeah. third or fourth, one or two. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. So let's get to uh, today's uh, movie at hand. Uh, <laughs> Super Throwback September is upon us, people. Uh, today's movie, we are taking it back to 1996, 23 years old, Independence Day. Yes! <laughs> I was so happy when, when because, he, first of all, we got to kind of talk very, very closely about this entire concept of the Super Throwback September. Basically, Jay and I took a look at the list for October, and it's not that October 1999 didn't have good movies. It just didn't have movies that were so impactful. And especially considering how the rest of this year actually plays out mm-hmm. uh, towards the end. Because there are some really iconic films that are, that are going to come up at the end of 1999 going into 2000. I was like, nah, man. Like, I can't, I can't have a dead month like this. If that's the case, why not just take the month off? But we had already taken a month off this year, people. And we didn't want to do that to you. So that's when we said, you know what? Let's switch it up. Let's do this. Now, we will be taking a break. About a one, We will take a one-week break because we have a special guest that's going to be coming on. Um, but, yeah, that's going to be the, uh, the MO. I'm excited for this. But Independence Day. Original release date, July 2nd, 1996. Shares opening weekend with Phenomenon. Yes, it does. That's, that, was a, that was a weekend. Yeah, John Travolta. Yeah, and not a bad John Travolta movie. Wasn't a bad flick compared to Independence Day. I, I'd wait. No, no, I'd, I'd probably go with Independence Day, obviously. <laughs> Production budget, $75 million with a box office total of $817.4 million. Ow! 
Uh, 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. Academy Award winner for Best Visual Effects. I agree, and I agree. I think 65%. Even 20 years later, there's something to really like about this movie. Oh, yeah. There's, oh, yeah. there's actually a lot to like about this movie. Because in my eyes, this was really the introduction of, of, of Will Smith to the big screen. Yes, I know Bad Boys had come out before then. Mm-hmm. And Bad Boys is a, is a good movie. But this was like the movie that like, that like solidified him as a star in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Because Bad Boys was, was very much like him playing off Martin Lawrence more than anything. It was Mike Lowry playing off Martin Lawrence. Well, the difference between this and Bad Boys was that uh, technically at the time, Martin Lawrence was the bigger star. Exactly. So essentially with this, this became the Will Smith show with this movie. Yes, it, and it did for a good while. And it was really like it was the moment that you knew that the Fresh Prince of Bel Air was ready to graduate to being a top movie star. Exactly, exactly. So uh, this movie, okay, um, I did not know this movie is two hours and thirty three minutes long. Yes, it is. When you do watch it, it does fly by. It, it really does go by. It may be one of the fastest two and a half uh, two and a half hours you ever feel. I was like, really? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so this movie, so. We talked about in 90s movies how they wanted to to talk about natural disasters. There were other movies that were also kind of coming out at this time. Um, before before the whole Star Wars thing was ever going to be... It's so weird because, because even though Star Wars Phantom Menace was only three years after Independence Day, mm-hmm. I really consider them like in two different decades right. in my eyes. Because this feels like a 90s movie. Because you had like the movie Stargate. That had come out. You also had the fifth element that had come out. So the space exploration thing was was still pretty cool to kind of check out. It's just they didn't really know like where to go with it. And really what it was is that they wanted to come up with this with this idea. Really, it was Roland Emmerich, who's the writer and director of this movie, came up with the idea when filled in the question about what his belief in the existence of alien life would actually look like. Mm-hmm. And believe me, this movie has flaws. All right. You, there, there, there's there's logic flaws that even I say, uh, yeah, that doesn't really make sense. But <laughs> let's kick this sucker off, huh? Let's also talk about the star power that's really in this movie. Like we're talking Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Pullman, Randy Quaid, Brett Spiner, uh, Vivica A. Fox, Vivica A. Fox, in all her glory, Judd Her uh, Judd Hirsch, and what may have been one of his best roles I've ever seen him in. Do you know he's still alive? Yes, he is. Like, like I'm surprised he, he he is still alive. Like, I'm like, I'm like, man, he looked old in this movie. And that was 20 years ago. Yeah, and that was 20 years, years ago, 23 years ago. Um, but the star power in this movie is just so, so prominent because it kind of takes a little bit of everything that you want. You have the comedy with Randy Quaid. You have kind of the seriousness, but he's kind of a little bit of a dopey white guy mm-hmm. with both Jeff Goldblum and Bill Pullman. Um, you know, there's there's so much there's so much to love about this movie. So let's kick this uh, kick it off. This movie begins on July second, nineteen ninety six. It's Fourth of July weekend, which is a huge military weekend because obviously for the July Fourth uh, of July is supposed to be this huge you know celebration, and uh, normally normally military personnel is uh, taken off to uh, is is usually off. An enormous mothership UFO that has that has one fourth the mass of the moon enters orbit around earth to play an assault f- 
Force's saucers are like 15 miles across. And I mean, when when you get this first look of it, like when you see what it looks like above a city and you see how big it fucking is over Los Angeles, and over the, New and, York and the, City. And, and the saucers itself are 15 miles wide. Right, exactly. Sh- Why? Shit! <laughs> Who came up with that idea? <laughs> so, so in 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 comparison to Vegas, it would be from my house past Mandalay Bay. <laughs> yeah, which goes to show you how far I drive to work. But Jesus Christ! <laughs> or it would be like going from from the Bellagio all the way out to Fiesta Henderson. From my house to my job. Yeah. Past that actually. Yeah, probably. Gee. It's huge. It, it's it's massive. Just kill me now, man. I I, I, I want really a part of that. So David Levinson, who's an MIT trained satellite tech, uh decodes a signal embedded within the global satellite. David! <laughs> and and he has this he has this most annoying assistant who who very quick quickly could become my that fool award in this movie. David! <laughs> <laughs> Harvey Firestein, shout out to Harvey Firestein. Man. He's, like, he's always been dope. But he had, but but you know, Firestein. You know, I, I Firestein was also in Mrs. Doubtfire, mm-hmm. and so like he has this voice that is one of the worst. <sighs> I call my mother. I gotta call my mother. I gotta call. I gotta call my brother. I gotta call my lawyer. Oh, yeah, help him, help yeah, forget the lawyer. You know, that's what he sounds like. David. <laughs> It's awful. Mm-hmm. So David Levinson decodes this embedded uh, uh, satellite, and he basically determines that that the aliens that are going across the planet at this point has a countdown timer for coordinated attack, and he feels that he needs to speak to the president. And the best way for that to do so is by going through his former wife, who is the White House communications director, Constance Spanos, Taking David, his father Julius, who is a very prominent Jewish figure in this movie, <laughs> and and he is just awesome in in every in every sense of the word because he is sarcastic. He he you know he he's sarcastic and he like he can tell that he constantly get on his nerves. It doesn't matter. He's just he's he's really dope. We also get the introduction to a young. Uh, what is he? Is he? He's a captain, right? Captain Stephen Hunter? Yeah. We get the introduction to a young captain with his uh, with his girlfriend or, I, I guess, fiance. No, uh, no, no. He hadn't proposed yet. Yeah, so, yeah the, the, the girlfriend. So, girlfriend uh, in bed, and uh, it's played by Will Smith. Absolutely. So, so what I do love about this opening is that you get a young Will Smith. Like, you get a... Fresh from the Bel Air, fresh from six degrees of separation. (laughs) Will Smith, you know. Um, Also, uh, if you notice that um, by the time by the time he gets outside and he's drinking his coffee, he's now aware of something's going on, and he has to he has to uh, report to 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 the base. Right, but what was his excuse? Oh, what was the excuse? Uh, It was the earthquakes. He was like, he was all like, damn neighbors are leaving because of the earthquakes. Right. Oh, exactly. Now, Now it's hilarious because. Here in Vegas, we just got hit by an earthquake like like a month or six weeks ago. It wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. And it was an aftershock outside of uh, – uh, basically outside of San Bernardino. Right. And 
we were all sorts of fucking panicked. So to see like like But panic like these people? <laughs> oh. I love the fact that like when you get that that it's a great shot too. He's outside and he's you know, he he has his coffee, he's reading the paper, and then you know, you look to your left and you see people hauling ass to get out of Right, this they're city. packing fucking they're everything. Packing right, like the house is coming with them and on that he, one trip. He looks to the right, the neighbors are getting the fuck out of here. Like, right. and then you look, he looks immediately in front of him and sees the shit. And this shit is is not only it, it's barely above some of those buildings. I swear to God, I mean, it's it's here and 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 it's there and it's you can't miss it. Like it's huge. It's He's enormous. like what the hell. <laughs> You know, so I also love the fact that the way he plays this role is it's very it's subtle and it's playful and he's you know he he's a tough guy and he, you know uh, I believe the line to uh to Jasmine was um you know I'm going to go up there you know I'm pretty sure uh, they didn't come here you know to start no fight you they know come all the way down here to start don't start no fight you know right you know what I'm saying and uh when he does get to, he, he he deploys to the base and uh, he, he has the best friend played by uh, Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. Played brilliantly by Harry Connick Jr. It is actually. it is yeah. I actually really enjoy Harry Connick Jr. in this movie. And I love how they're getting debriefed and then uh once you figure out exactly what's happening he has another great line. He, he goes uh some funny Captain Hiller? No sir, just really ain't go up there with BT's ass. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but it was that's, it, a, that's it, a great line. It was it was it was clever, it was cute. Um, these, these huge, these like alien, these like alien things were, were just massive. And, and, uh, one of the things I, that I want to talk about a little bit is the marketing for this afterwards was huge. There was a whole toy line production before that, and after. that was, yeah, before and after that was massive. Uh, you had, um, uh, and this was. This was again another thing with the nineties that that you that you really have to consider. Toys from back in the nineties were and having that tie and having that tie with with the official movie tie-in mm -hmm. was so prominent in the nineteen nineties. I remember my friend having, for example, when Terminator Two had come out, he had both uh, Robert Patrick and he had both uh, he, he had he had uh, uh, Arnold. Mm -hmm. Also, fully able with the you push the button and like his skin flies off and beneath you see the Terminator inside. With this, you had this massive alien uh, life form that we're going to talk about later in this movie. He also had the ship that's that was literally half the size of this table. Right. You had um, you had the little alien riders. You had the computer game that came out with this. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of tie-in back in the day. With, with stuff that would come out. And while that still happens nowadays, it's nowhere near as big. If anything, if anything, it's only when like stuff with, with like Lego Ninjago like comes out, mm. you know, they'll tie that in quite a bit, but Lego's been around forever. So that's why it can kind of work. I also love the fact that uh, when this movie was, was released on uh, VHS, uh, it came with a hologram on yes, the cover of it. It did. Which was so dope. It, it, it was. If I, you move it, you watch the dead White House blow up. Right. <laughs> so, they ordered this large-scale evacuation from New York City, L.A., and Washington, D.C., but unfortunately, it becomes too late. And actually, this is, this is a really cool sequence. Real quick, I also want to say this as well. For this to be a two-hour and 33-minute movie, it kicks right up. It does. It doesn't really slow. It, it kicks right up. It doesn't really slow down. And, and All this is like the first, what, 10 minutes? 
10, man, 15 minutes of the movie? Man, it's something like that. Within right. within 20 minutes, basically within the first half hour, you have the first attack. Yes. That that pretty much happens. And 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 it's funny because I'm not even telling the rest of the backstories for some of the for some of these people. I haven't told the backstory of the president. I haven't told the backstory of Randy Quaid, who's who's so prominent in this movie, also. We'll get there. But the way this attack happens is that they want to do this thing that's called the welcome wagon, right? So they send out an Apache helicopter that's supposed to send a signal. And I'm pretty certain the signal that they were using was something that was used from like back in the 70s. Right. Because back in the 70s, 70s or 60s, uh, 70s, 60s, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong somewhere. Some astronomy major, please correct me. Um, they had launched, they had launched a, a, a satellite going all the way uh, going all the way past Pluto. I think it just passed Pluto like maybe three years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, is that for them to find life on Earth, they actually put like like messages on it and like recordings of stuff. So 60s and 70s. So they're gonna get a big surprise when they come here now. Right. But but that was kind of but that was kind of the entire uh, the entire idea. So I think they were trying to do a similar message where they were trying to basically welcome them in. And mind you, like 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 uh, uh, David, who who really is a genius in this film because he's able to hack the White House communications director, you know, cell phone, um, to basically let him into the White House and have a very very brief conversation with with uh, Bill Pullman. And of course, the backstory between them is that they knew each other before, and then David actually punched him out because he thought he was like hitting on his wife or something. Like that. Right. <laughs> You punched the president? You punched the president. He wasn't the president then. He wasn't the president then. You punched the president? So so they do this whole welcome wagon thing. And and in the process, like David, like, man, man, he just like convinces him. He's like, I'm sorry, it's too late. We have to go now. Mm -hmm. Like, we have no more time. Uh, the president's wife is out in New York City, Mm -hmm. um, which is which is very key. And you get this shot, and it's and it's an insane looking shot, because all of a sudden you see them basically getting on the plane. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, um, yeah, because they haven't done because they haven't done the counterattack yet. Meanwhile, Vivica Fox, who of course plays an exotic dancer, so the so so an exotic dancer. So I want everybody to think about everybody's occupation in this movie. And you can see why a movie twenty, why the movie twenty twelve was so ridiculous. You have an exotic dancer, mm-hmm. the White House communication director, the president of the United States, an MIT trained satellite technician, uh, a father who, who I'm assuming is retired at this point, right? Um, a captain, a a, a marine pilot uh, who is a captain in the, in the Marines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all, you know, this movie all intertwines them at the at the end of the day. Uh, not to mention Randy Quaid, who is a drunk uh, crop duster, mm-hmm. with his own experiences with with, with his own with his own experience that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. in a minute. And it's just insane. But this shot, it just comes so cool because you see like the it, it opens up the inside of it, and you see itself kind of lining itself lining itself up and it almost looks like like a like a star and then the electricity and he's hear this like buzzing and electricity mind you everybody is on air force one at this point and you see this first beam 
come down as if a targeting system over the White House. And then you see this column of light come out of nowhere and it hits and there's just fire everywhere. And it bursts out like this huge ring going across uh, going across D.C., New York, and L.A. Well, don't forget the uh, the alien welcomers who wanted to go up to that, that skyscraper. Oh, yeah. No, they just shot him out of the sky like yeah, no problem. No problem. He goes, look, it's opening up. It's opening up. I can't really see anything. Choo choo. Uh, oh, you're definitely dead. Oh yeah, no, there, he wasn't surprised. The minute they saw the welcome wagon was was down, uh, they they like booked it to to Air Force. You one have no choice, flares. but but the level <coughs> of destruction that that first attack gives it, it's like. Keep in mind, we're talking D.C., New York, and, and LA. LA. Who's I've some, been to all three of those cities, and to imagine a, an attack that wipes it out, mm. wipes it out, is insane. Is absolutely insane to think about. And nothing is supposed to survive. Nothing is supposed to survive because right. this ring of fire is is so consistently getting bigger that nothing is is going to survive it, except for Vivica A. Fox and her dog Boomer, and her son yeah. and her son. Why? Because they hid down a subway tunnel emergency exit, which that's not the way that works. But whatever. She lived. <laughs> she got through it. She, she got through it. She but, got through but, it. Her friend it didn't is, make it. Her friend was like right She was on the fucking roof. Yeah, she was on the fucking roof. But what I do love about that, that Ring of Fire scene is that like in, in most, you know, disaster flicks, when it, when whether it's a Ring of Fire or it's a big wave of water or like everybody's just running for their fucking lives right and you already know a good majority of you are not going to make it you know uh and uh when boomer does you know basically get stuck she's boomer! Going, boomer! Boomer! boomer comes through and i'm not just only july 2nd <laughs> <laughs> it's not even july 4th this is, this is july 2nd we still have two more days of shit to, to deal with but uh it killed millions for it sure. killed millions on the first day on the first day, that it killed insane millions. insane to think about. Because that was the idea. The idea is that they, they were going to target all the major cities. Mind you, that was only U.S. cities that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about if they actually like targeted Beijing or if they targeted you know Paris or if they targeted Moscow. All know, U.S. Uh, or if they targeted Shanghai. Shanghai had, at the time, like 1.7 billion people. Mm-hmm. It was something insane. Mm. So imagine if they just kind of hovered over that city and shot fire and everybody died. Everybody died. So come July 3rd now, uh, the international leaders, uh, they do begin ordering their, their counterattacks. Uh, Air forces attack the uh, the saucers. By the way, they're 15 miles wide, so you can't just so, attack them. Right, yeah. You're, there's no what, what point of attack that you have. So they make this attack, and, and look – this was this was a trailer shot, and it was still a fucking cool ass scene, because they had to find a way to counterattack some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And as they come up, to, and as they come up to attack to to shoot off. Uh, uh, by the way, all of their call names were were forms of eagles. Eagle twenty, box two, you know. Um, eagle twenty, box the bus two. As they would fire either side either sidewinders or or missiles or whatever nothing was getting past their uh, their shields and mm-hmm. that's when they realized they were in deep shit because yeah it's a fucking shield and none 
none of your fucking missiles were working on it. No, it's just bounced right off it. So, of course, they approached the big ship, and, of course, it's 15 fucking miles wide, so they have to find a way to get around it, right? So The big ship is 15 miles wide? What? The big ship is 15 miles no, wide? No, 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 the no, saucers no. are. The saucers are. Right. Mm-hmm. No, the big ship is one-fourth the size of the moon. Right. The moon. <laughs> it takes a whole day to get to the moon, and it's a fourth of the size of that. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Jesus Christ. So... As a ship, I mean, I mean, and all these little fucking ships came from this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to put it on a massive scale, you know, it, it was it was huge, and you had the pilots try to maneuver basically out of the way, the the best that they could. But of course, these alien ships they were incredibly talented, and they basically wipe out everybody, killing yeah. Harry Connick Jr. Oh, man, I'm not going to lie to you. Just put us on a pause for a second. When Harry Connick Jr.'s character dies, and you pretty much know he's going to die. Yeah. Um, because they, this, they, they do this in all the movies. You you do establish a good brotherhood between uh, Stephen Heller and I, uh, Jimmy, I believe his name? It's, uh, yeah, Jimmy Wilder. Jimmy Wilder. And by the time he's he's gasping for the air, I'm like, oh, no. No, not Jimmy, please. You know, <laughs> and then of course, you, you know, you know, Jimmy. I mean, sorry, uh, Steve is going. You know, Jimmy, where you at? I can't breathe. Put your mask back on. And and by the time you see that green light kind of yeah. uh, illuminate Jimmy's face, like, oh, Jimmy's a guard. You know, and so we go, Jimmy, no. I, I felt <laughs> so bad, dude. But but the other side of it was was not only did the big ship have a shield. Not even the, did the little saucers have a shield, but the fighter jets had shields too. And one of them got lit up by a missile. No problem. Just kind of just kind of ricocheted around a little bit and then it was fine flying back totally completely normal. Not a problem. Must be nice. Not a problem. Must be so nice. So but Will Smith, you know, Captain Hiller is an expert uh, is an expert uh, pilot here, and it's funny because there was a movie recently that basically had had this had this canyon scene right, and and I called it immediately. I was like, oh no, that's Independence Day. Mm-hmm. Like like y'all y'all are just copying off Independence Day. I'm cool with that. Like it, it was a good scene because they're flying. They're basically flying through what looks like the Grand Canyon, which is. Again, so insane to think about, <laughs> but, right. but flying through the Grand Canyon, going up and down and all the way through until finally, uh, until finally the, the, until finally Will Smith deploys his parachute as he ejects out of the seat and the parachute blocks the vision of the fighter jet. And of course he doesn't see the canyon wall, but it doesn't destroy the ship. It just nicks it up well enough. Right. And to be honest, this was a huge reveal because you finally get to see what these fucking things look like. And here's the thing. I've seen 70s and 80s Aliens movies, but I don't think anything prepared me to see what this thing looks like because it was nasty. It's tall with dreads, uh, which is great. Like, I think all aliens have dreads now. Sure, some yeah. But... Um, it's just like most movies in the nineties. This movie is is littered with like just those one liners. So when Hiller approaches that uh that down ship, the the the, the down uh, uh 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 saucer, 
He pulls up, and of course, once he opens the little thing up, he's jumping out at him, you know. And so, of course, he hits you with that with that great one liner: "Welcome to Earth." Welcome to Earth. Boom! Just drops him one time with with, with, a, with a right hook. Right, but I mean, this thing looks serious. Highly unlikely, <laughs> but looked cool. <laughs> Highly unlikely, but looked cool. And so, and not only that, you're gonna drag this fucker for the next—I uh, don't know how far. It was miles for sure before you actually get stopped. So. Now, even with that, the genius of Will Smith playing out this character because, mind you, you're dragging a fucking passed out alien through the through the desert, and he's more complaining about you know what? I could be on the barbecue, you know, right. but I said I'm dragging your heavy ass. And what the hell is that smell? Your dress hanging out the back of my parachute. He like kicks out twice. Oh, what the hell is that smell? I could have been on the barbecue. So. But- and we, get, well. and we get the introduction uh, early on in the film, but this is when he really begins to play a prominent part in the film of Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid was a is a pilot, although uh, a crop duster pilot, which is a pretty reasonable trade. Although he is a bit of an alcoholic, Russell Casey. Russell Casey, and unfortunately, it seems like he's actually dealt with these guys before. He doesn't seem to. Oh my he, God! Buddy. He's not. He's not like all there at all. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because his kids. Um, one of the kids. Uh, w- one of the kids uh, has a like a little boyfriend who was played in Ten Things I Hate mm-hmm. About You. It was Joey. Mm-hmm. But a couple of the kids. Um, I hate his face. I know you do. I hate his face. Why do hey, you hate? Why do hey, you hate Russell, his face? What's going? Hey, hey Russell. Shut up. <laughs> why do you hate why do you hate his face? I don't know. He's had them, that face like I feel like you surf all day. <laughs> you um, surf all day. One of the one of the kids is James Duvall, who mm-hmm. was in um Donnie Darko. Mm-hmm. He was Frank. Um and then um a couple of them actually went up kind of big. Like Lisa Jacob was in Mrs. Doubtfire. Yep. Um that's where she literally got like one of her beginnings at. She also wound up being in uh oh, what's that movie? Um Picture Perfect, I think is the name of the movie. Who that Jennifer Hansen and Kevin Bacon? Yeah, she was in that. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, so she so she got some roles and then finally the little kid. Uh I know you know who the little kid is. That's uh, Giuseppe Andrews. He was in Cabin Fever. Ah, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was the he was the sheriff's deputy, the like really weird sheriff's deputy in it. He was also in Detroit Rock City. Right, 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 right. So, so okay. So basically, these kids are more functioning than the father is. Like they Completely. try to make like they try to make sure like the father's there on time, and and basically they go to pick up and drive just to get out of major cities and they're basically ready to live as nomads them and this whole huge troop of of uh of like RVs meanwhile back to the president david uh the, the levinsons and and everybody else um after having about uh, after after some character development where come to find out of course david still has feelings for his ex-wife um uh, and she's told that by she's told that by the father. Uh, some questions kind of come into concern about why didn't we know anything about this? And this was the next unbelievable part that I had about it. Can we just take a moment out to shout out the un 
forgettable talent that is Robert Loja. Oh. Real quick. Oh, he's amazing. He, I mean, if I was white, he'd be my grandpa. <laughs> Honestly. So, so anyways, here's where the unbelie- uh, unbelievable part comes in. The president does not know about Area 51. But he's the, the fucking but, president. But, but he's the fucking president. I want to put this to perspective for uh, for you, Senate folks. 17 days from now, apparently there's supposed to be a big-ass party outside of Area 51. Are we still doing that? Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to watch the massacre. <laughs> Well, mass shootings, there, yeah. There, it was it was already heavily implied back then that Area 51 existed, mm-hmm. and then we got confirmation like in 2006 or mm-hmm. something like that, right? So it wasn't really a big secret. I think I was more irritated about the fact that Bill Pullman you actually did not know. How did you not know? Welcome when you're president, I don't, uh, you know. He won re-election. You didn't have time in the first four years to know about that. You didn't go by. And 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 his his weasel fucking, I don't know what he was. He wasn't vice president. He might as well been. Um, we like Secretary of State. Yeah, what the, he always plays a weasel, uh, in all of these movies. Um, James Rebhorn. Rebhorn. Oh my god, I wanted to kill this guy. It's I mean, I mean, rest in peace. I know he died in 2014, but still, good lord. He was just so <laughs> annoying. Because all he was trying to do was undermine the president like the entire time. Like, like he was like, Why do I know about this? And he was like, two words for you, Mr. President. Need to know basis. <laughs> it's like it's the- not two words. He's the fucking president. president. He's the fucking president. I expect President Trump to know these things. I'm always fearful that he knows these things, but he knows these things now. I'm just waiting for him to release all the information when he eventually gets out of office. Anyway, so. Which you know you will. uh, We'll see. (laughs) I don't know yet. But, you know, it's July 3rd. Meanwhile, back to Vanessa. Vanessa has picked up kind of this ragtag group of survivors here, which, hey, lo and behold, the uh, president's wife is is part of this group, mm-hmm. which badly is, injured. She's severely injured. Badly injured. Um, but you know, and and it's weird because she is badly injured. She doesn't look badly injured, but she's badly injured. She's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, so she's picked up this ragtag group uh, group of people, and Will Smith meets up with Randy Quaid, of course, because he's driving across the desert to get uh, out of there. And pretty much everybody meets up at Area 51. They didn't right. know everybody was supposed to meet up at Area 51, but they all meet up at Area 51. And it probably comes to one of my favorite scenes in this movie because they actually meet, and the character was so popular they brought him back for the sequel. Go figure. Uh, you actually meet um, Dr. Brent Brackish Okun. Brent Spiner. And when, to say that he is a. That he's a character is saying something. Uh, Brent Spiner, for those of you who don't know who he is, is Data from Star Trek First <laughs> Contact. So he's totally a nerd that fits right in. Uh, he right is so eccentric in this movie. He's like he's one of those guys who are like you locked yourself in a room for a long time. It's really seemed that way to really kind of 
<laughs> convey some thought. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> now, uh, this scene, which which I do love, is when uh, they are uh, examining the alien, uh, and 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 uh, they discover that they they uh, they too have a ship. Oh yeah, that they've had a ship this entire time and never said shit about it. And they said, yeah, these guys were crash landing here all this time. Like, th- these two died in the crash. This this one died, like, a few weeks later. So we're really excited about filing in a live, spe- live specimen. And, and, like, the president's like, excited? People are dying out there. <laughs> and he's all like, whoa, 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 man. Like, what do I know? Hold on. <laughs> Wait a minute, man. <laughs> As you can see, man, I don't leave these quarters very often, man. <laughs> the fuck do i know what's going on outside man i don't even know what people are supposed to smell like anymore man <laughs> did you smell me man <laughs> i smell like these walls man um so they examine this alien that's been captured and here was i'm actually really surprised that they brought him back for the sequel because i could have swore up and down that he died Man, I thought he died. I was convinced he died. Actually, <laughs> I was. I was like, I was like, oh, they're just gonna kill him off, and that's gonna be awful because he's he certainly freshened up this movie. Um, and they basically go, and this was such a cool scene. And the reason why I really remember the scene, do you remember back in ninety seven or ninety eight? There was this hoax that mm-hmm. had come out, and it was like a television special where they basically said we captured a live alien. Right, and we're getting ready to perform surgery on this, and come to find out, it wasn't it wasn't fucking real, which is awful because <laughs> because it it totally got me. Like I, I I was into it. Like like TV shows like the X Files would base stuff off of this crap all the time. <laughs> and what I love about this is that you get this scene, and you get like this cocoon like like body of the sentinel body that's there. And they go and they make the incision right down the middle of the face, you know, because they have to open up what seems kind of like where, where something would be in there. Right. And it goes and it just splits like wide open. Right. And it scared the shit out of everybody. And I'm telling you, for an action movie in 1996, I know for sure it scared the shit out of everybody in the theater as well. Right. Because we were all really invested into it at this point. And they go and they kind of... They kind of cut open this pouch, and there's another goddamn alien in there who's just like hanging out in this brain sack. Apparently, this is he's the actual controller of the body, and it wakes up. And Mm. when it wakes up, it it leaves this insane noise, like a locust sound. That just it sound it's like high pitch and screeching. Everybody starts going insane. But of course, he has control of this massive body. So he uses its all of its tentacles and whatnot, and it, he's just fucking things up like all over the place. Right? But what makes that scene so so eerie is that by the time the uh, president and uh, and his crew, basically. Robert Loja, they show up to uh, see what the fuck is going on. Uh, they throw his body against the glass, and you can and see first- you can see the little uh, tentacle or whatever oh, it is around his and, neck. And uh, uh, Adam Baldwin. Yes, is, is, is there as well? I think he was. I think he Major Mitchell was his name. Yes, right. He, he went and, shoots down the alien, and and it's crazy because it's so creepy because he's pinned against the wall and he's all like, "Release me, release me now!" And no, 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 like, no. What's creepy is when he goes, "Well, what do you want us to do?" Die. 
Oh man. And and it's like, oh man, what the fuck? <laughs> oh man. And like and like Robert Logan. Kill it, kill it. Robert Logan is like, is that is that thing bulletproof? And they were like, no, sir. And it's all American, like, and they just come and blow the <laughs> no, fucking alien sir. Apart. No, sir. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> You're dead. No, sir. And <laughs> it's awesome. So now understanding what's going on, they mm-hmm. decide to try one more counterattack. And this time it's to. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious on how the aliens kind of figured out their strategic positioning because i'm wondering if they were doing this based upon like largest cities well ask me this so before they actually take out the alien that, that has uh, dr okun um trapped tied up tied up rather <laughs> um they hack into the president's brain and the president is able to see their plan right which is wild because like how is that even possible well i think you know in sci-fi the kind of Talk, uh, talk about what's called tele- uh, telepathic uh, 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 imaging, projectile mm-hmm. imaging. Mm-hmm. And so it's like if I'm giving you a vision of the future or if I'm – it'd be like me trying to communicate everything that's there. Now, normally this requires touch, but apparently these guys could just fucking do it, which is weird as fuck. But <laughs> he was just like, yeah, they're like locusts. Like, like they just go around planet to planet fucking shit up. And that's wild too, because like you know, once again, once he falls into that weird trance, and he and you know to get him out of that trance, they go, uh, you know, I, I seen the plan. Let's let, let's nuke these bastards, right? You know what I'm saying? So, in the process of of uh, oh, I guess they do they do say that Okun goes into a coma, which is weird. Um, but they authorize a nuclear attack, and they use a B two. A spirit that flies a nuclear bomb above Houston. Now, mm. again, this is where I kind of have to, where I kind of have to question things a little, mm. because Houston is already destroyed mm. at the time of attack. Mm. So, how fast are these things going? Because they're able to cover a lot of ground in in a very short amount of time. Because L.A. to Houston is not a short trip. Uh, New York City to Houston is not a short trip. DC to Houston, that's not a short trip. Right. That's that's hours by plane. So for them to set up, shoot, fire, no problem. So I want to kind of know where was civilization at at this point? Like like how far little did we actually get? Anyways, so of course they shoot this nuke and they thought for sure that they got it, but no, it wasn't the case at all. Uh, unfortunately, the alien survived. Uh, the alien survived it. Now, and it, at this at this point, everybody is hopeless and everybody is devastated. Right now, let's not forget Marilyn, who was the uh, first lady. <coughs> uh, she's now at Area Fifty One with uh, along with uh, Jasmine and, and the other survivors of, of LA. Well, the re- and the reason why is because Captain Stephen Hiller was able to basically st- <laughs> hijack a helicopter, right? Fly out to. Uh, um, Los Toros, New Mexico. Which El Toro. Is El Toro, New, Me- uh, New Mexico. Uh, El Toro is actually in Cali. It's uh, not too far from Irvine. Uh, the Marine Base? Yeah. Not too yeah, far from Yeah, yeah, you're right. It is. Because when I think of the Irvine... Okay, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Victorville. Um, <laughs> they're, they're basically the same. Basically. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, so so he goes and and he like saves her, no problem, of course, you know. And uh, yeah, she the the president's wife is like on her deathbed, and it's and this is where the movie really does get like that. It, Number one, the emotional strings are being pulled because you're like, fuck, that fucking sucks. Right. But at the same time, it's like, it is time to kill these fuckers. <laughs> right, you know exactly. And, and that's really what it, it, it what that uh, that vibe you get, especially when you actually go with the president and the daughter to go see the mom, you know, and then, you know, you ha- he has the quick words with Marilyn and then they go outside and then... uh even before he actually goes in, the doctor says it's, it's not looking good. Right, right. And so when he goes in to go talk to her, and uh, what did the doctor say? Oh, he said you'll be just fine. Like, you're She's all like liar. It's like fuck. <laughs> so once she goes outside, I'm t- I'm, once he goes outside, I'm telling you, like I remember watching this part in, in the movie, and I'm like, oh, that that fucking sucks. Yeah, it does. And, and, and he goes. Mommy's sleeping right now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The daughter asks, "Is mommy sleeping?" I'm like, yep, mommy's sleeping. Yeah. These fuckers gotta <laughs> die. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they have to <laughs> die. July fourth, Independence Day. David, who has gotten drunk, has has basically just been like demolishing all these all these recycling bins because he's the one that wants to save the earth and I really want to save the earth and all this stuff I care about about recycling and whatnot it's all going down the fucking drain which he has a point on very true um, um, and uh, and he goes and he's talking to his father who's trying to get who's trying to who's trying to make him feel better he's like come on get off the floor come on you'll catch a cold you know he's like wait, wait, what was that he's like well what a man loves, what a man loves is he's like, no, 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 no. Before that, he's like, oh, you, you'll catch a code. He's like, ah, you're a genius. Genius. <laughs> he's like, what? And so he develops a virus off his Windows 1995 laptop. Mm-hmm. There's a lot wrong on that. <laughs> on that. There's a lot wrong on that. Windows 1995 was slow as all hell. I remember we had a Windows 95. Like, this shit is Windows slow. 90, and Windows 98 was not a lot better. In fact, <laughs> we didn't get good I, to 2000. I think it wasn't until Windows XP that things really started to get better. <laughs> By then, everybody had a Mac. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, so, in the process of doing so, this Secretary of Defense is again undermining every little ability. It's all like, well, you know what, man? What else are you gonna do? You've tried nuking the goddamn thing. What else are you gonna do? Why don't you listen to the guy who's actually trying to save your asses and try to do the fucking virus thing? Generates a generates a virus. At first didn't look like it, it went through, but then Adam Baldwin was able to get the shot off and was able to figure it out. And they come up with this brilliant plan to basically go into the alien spacecraft that is sitting, that the old one, mm-hmm. and report back to Mother Base. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, is that if they destroy Mother Base, then the rest of these things we'll will come go down. will come down. Mm-hmm. And and it was a really good idea. And of course, Stephen volunteers to pilot. 
Right, of course, of mm-hmm. course, you know. Uh, the, the U.S. military uh, they contact uh, contact surviving uh, airborne squadrons. Now, this is where the Russell Casey thing comes into play. And I want you to take this because I, I feel like you can explain this much better than I can. But uh, uh, around the world through uh, Morse code, which I thought was really interesting. Like, well, it's just hmm. another way to. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's still used even to this day. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, I, uh, absolutely. Okay. A- and uh, a good example of it is like in the movie The Hunt for Red October mm. to communicate with the Russians because nobody on the fucking submarine speaks Russian mm. and to communicate with uh, Sean Connery, they do Morse code via the periscopes to inform what they're planning to do. Mm. And it was so cool. Anyways. So they, they use Morse code to organize uh, uh, a united counter offense against the aliens. Uh, uh, r- pilots are in trust supply, for sure, but a lot of them are dead now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> they can begin to round up everybody. They're like, I need all available pilots to come out here. Russell Case comes out of nowhere drunk. As shit. Drunk as shit. He's all like, I'm a pilot. I can fly. <laughs> and like the dude was kind of looking at him like anybody Are you else sure <laughs> like maybe one of your kids like can you teach him no nope, nope, nah, I'm, I'm a pilot I can fly and the counterattack begins to start and this may be my iconic scene because Bill Pullman has his presidential speech mm. and it's a good one it's cheesy of course it's cheesy don't don't just downsell it you gotta sell that shit <laughs> you, you got you have to sell that shit. It is, oh man, it is so cheesy. So he says, the cheesiest presidential speech anybody could say. You better sell it. Good morning. Good morning. In less than an hour, aircrafts from here will join others from around the world and you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind. That word should have a new meaning for for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interests. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July and you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live, to exist. And should we win today, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as a day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into that fight, into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our independence day. Let's get lit. It's like everybody's got drunk. Get annihilated, get fucked up. Like, y'all got drunk? It was supposed to be a barbecue. <laughs> oh, we're fighting today. Oh, oh shit. My bad. About it. Oh, my bad. My bad. I thought that was tomorrow. I'm sorry. sorry. And this was so cool because, of course, Bill Pullman, uh, which we didn't really say his backstory, but he was a former uh, U.S. Air Force pilot. Yep. Um, so he has experience behind So the, he uh, totally mm-hmm. has experience uh, flying. He doesn't really give a shit about politics in, at, at the end of the day. He's all like, he like looks at Robert Loja. He's all like, he's all like, I belong in the air. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, we'll have a good one. <laughs> I'm not going. <laughs> and so, in this process, because we all know that the alien people are going to come down to basically attack, and David and Captain Miller or Captain Hiller, you know, make the way, make the way up to this alien spacecraft, and it's cool. 
Like, mm-hmm. like this thing opens up. It opens up basically the garbage chute right? Right. <laughs> to let these guys in. And they are flying for a good while. Keep in mind, once again, it does. It's supposed to take a day, a day to get to the moon. And these guys get there in the next cutscene, so it doesn't matter. But, but they get there. By the way, in the process, uh, Stephen Hiller and uh, uh, Veronica Fox, uh, Vanessa? Jasmine. Jasmine. Um, get married. Mm-hmm. David and his old girl, you know, shack up together again. Basically back together. Right. So, that's eh, fine. Mm-hmm. And... They go and they they basically get to what's supposed to be the main terminal with what I can only assume is either A, alien overlord, or B, the dude who was in the one alien who had the day shift that day. <laughs> because he looks no different than everybody else. But, you know, they lock in and they begin to start they begin to start the uh the process of this virus. And um Meanwhile, the counterattack begins, and they shoot, and uh, um, Eagle One, who's the president, shoots a missile, and it hits a shield. Right. And you're like, fuck, really? This movie's been on for two hours? Like, like we haven't broken this happen? shit yet? <laughs> Damn. And um, instead, instead, they said, wait a minute, sir, I want to give it another shot. And goes in and fires, and it fucking hits, mm. and it hits beautifully, and then all the fucking aliens pour out. Oh no, no, no. You're, you're you're downplaying it. When I tell you, all the homies came out. <laughs> all the homies came. It out. was the block. The block next over. It was three cities away. Oh, you want problems? <laughs> you okay. want to catch these hands? Oh, Let's you, go. You really want to fight? Okay, Let's do it. <laughs> and I mean, it's insane. Everybody just starts pi- uh, piling through. Uh, meanwhile, back up, uh, back up at at a sp- uh, back up in space. Um, they're having a little bit of problems. They're trying to get away, and suddenly their their visor that opens up their windshield opens up, and they decide to hide. Now, not sure if the alien saw them. <laughs> sure, it did seem like he saw them. I mean, it's a pretty wide visor, so I, I would assume. They were seen. Right. And, uh, yeah, so this huge fight kind of uh, kind of begins, and it's just going back and forth. Meanwhile, these aliens are, like, coming in, and and they fucking come out, uh, come out of nowhere, and they start attacking the fucking base. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, everybody is still parked out there. Why would they let them into all their secrets? <laughs> Duh. Um... But they're able to upload the virus successfully, right? Um, and they decide to go ahead and deploy this nuclear weapon onto the motherboard ship. Right. Meanwhile, down below, everybody's running out of ammo. And Everybody. everybody's running out of ammo. And you wanted this fight. You wanted to fight. And and the laser begins to like open up and it's getting ready to set, you know, and light everybody asses up. Right. Um, <laughs> and it, and it's such a cool scene to kind of see because, you know, this movie in, in so many ways is exhausting, but at the same time, it's so, it's satisfying. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's now, huge. Go now, ahead. Now. So, so this is where, uh, Russell, I'm going to let you play up this ending here. Russell, d- d- uh, I, I, it, 
uh, will he get will he get my da- my bad guy award? I'm not sure. But um, so as it prepares to fire on the base, uh, Russell has one last missile to spare to shoot up at the at the mothership. It's me, Russell K, sir. I told you guys I wouldn't let you down. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, uh, he ran. Okay, okay so uh, but um, he has that one last missile. Everybody is, is out of ammo. He has one missile left. Uh, but when the fire control on the missile fails, he has problems. But but I'm telling right. you, and I mean the drama is playing up at this point. Like, if you're saying in the fuck. theater, you're like, come on, <laughs> something has to come through. So now this is when he gets his comeuppance. And it's a bittersweet moment, but it's definitely a moment because up until this point, he's told a story about how he, he had been kidnapped by aliens, sodomized, and yada, yada, oh, yada. Oh, yeah, yeah. They and did so, stuff to him. Right. Sexually. So, so what they do is, what, what, what he does, I, uh, he shows a picture of the kids, right? Right. He has a picture of the kids right there. And he's all like, tell my boys that I, lo- uh, that I love them. Right. So, so, but fuck the daughter, apparently. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, I'm not sure if you mind anyway. Actually, I think he said, "Tell my kids that." Tell, I love tell my kids I love them. So as he's going up, and he takes <laughs> off of the, uh, he takes off the mask. He goes, uh, "Hey, boys, I'm back!" And he, oh, no. and he holds yeah. it all the way up. He, he has this speech, like right before he's all like, "All right, you alien assholes!" <laughs> In the words of my generation, up. Yours and I'm like I'm like yes you're speaking for every white guy right now. <laughs> Yo! Oh, he doesn't say I'm back. He said he said up yours. No, no, he said up yours. And then as he approaches, as he approaches up the, oh, the top, he's I'm like, back. "Hello, boys, I'm back!" And then boom, boom, like so, causing the chain reaction to destroy the entire ship. Uh, and then the uh, human resistance forces around the world are in form of the alien sauce, uh, alien sauce's weak point, and successfully destroy the others. You're fucking welcome. Right. In the in the final process, up top, up in space, nobody has heard uh, nobody has heard from them for for a little while. Mm-hmm. The nuke has been launched, and I mean, it's a minute and thirty seconds for them to get the fuck out of there. Right. Again, one fourth the size of the moon, people. <laughs> Takes a day to get up there. Takes a day to get up there. <laughs> Takes a ten minutes to get up there. I mean, I mean, they haul assin. Not only they haul assin, but they were able to make it basically at the last moment. Mm. And in the process, the nuke blows up and it blows up the entire alien space. Mothership, yeah. Now, a couple things about this. <laughs> the saucers are above what? Uh, the rest of the population. So where are they going when they get destroyed? Where do they land? They land on top of whatever population there's they're on top of at that point. Area 51 should be destroyed and everybody there should be dead. And it's <laughs> definitely more than one saucer. Oh, so oh, some are falling most, in the ocean, some oh, falling in Africa. Oh, oh, the world is fucked. <laughs> but you know what? Just for time's sake, we'll skip over it. Yeah, it's we'll fine. Skip, we'll, we'll, we'll skip over that thinking. Uh, um, so they, they return back to Area 51 uh, unharmed. Reunite with their families. Uh, they they accompany the president and his daughter, and pretty much watching the ship blow. Right, right. And and you know what? Will Smith has a good line here because he tells his kid as he's holding him in his arm. He's like, "Didn't I promise you fireworks?" I was like, "I was like, bro." <laughs> I mean, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I just didn't need it. <laughs> well, that's Independence Day. Um, 
It's such an amazing movie. It really is. Uh, let's kick this puppy off. Who's going to get that guy work? It's going to go to the tag team in both Will Smith and uh, Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to kind of give it to one or the other because Goldblum is the genius behind all the plans. Smith is the attitude behind all the plans. Right. You know, it took the the combined works of both of them to basically make it work. Uh, that chicken work. This is a little. This this is not easy, um, because in some ways, after she gets rescued, Vivica A. Fox has no more point to this movie. None. Um, at the same time, there's also not really a point to Goldblum's like love interest either. Right, it's a boys' club. You think about it. It's a boys' club movie, which is again 1990s. Still, we're figuring out a way to get women involved. <laughs> um, I will give it to Vivica A. Fox because because hey, at least she somehow survived the impossible, mm-hmm. and and uh, and uh, with the dog, of course, Boomer. and uh, loved the dog apparently so much that there were no problems there, and was able to to nearly save the president's uh, wife. Uh, this that full of work. I got to give it to the Secretary of State because everything that he was trying to do was not helpful. Like, there was no plan that he had coming out. It was like he was still worried about the president's political career. It's like, motherfucker, the planet's dying. Like, like, get with the program here. Who cares about ratings? CNN doesn't exist right now. Fox News isn't around anymore. You know, because they got blown up in New York. If they were, they're not fucking worried about this right now. Trying to get what out. are they going to report? What are they? What are they going to report? What are they, uh, I left. There, there's fucking aliens everywhere. There's aliens everywhere, and I hate everything, you know. And this world sucks, you know. And that's what they're going to report. But this guy, was curious, so, I did leave. <laughs> this guy was undermining everything. He was so set and determined that a nuclear weapon was going to stop these things. And when he was proven wrong, he was all like, oh, well, I'm out of ideas. And, and 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 when another idea came around the table, because it wasn't his idea, like, like it was just like, oh, Mr. President, it can't possibly work. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> People are dying there, boomer. I'm talking shit on you, man. <laughs> all right. Uh, where Damn we it, at? Scott, uh, figure it out. Cut that out. There isn't... There isn't really anything I would cut out. Um, The movie is two and a half hours long and it's tight. Mm -hmm. And it does give a a kind of a new look. In some ways, I would actually cut out some of the side characters. Like Vivica A. Fox's friend. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you do do nothing. You're you're, you're not really a needed character. And the same thing with Jeff Jeff Goldblum's, you know, buddy. Mm -hmm. You know? Again, you're not really needed. You're just you, you're 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 cannon fodder. Oh, David. Yeah. You know, David. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's not so much that I didn't like the characters. It's just they were added scenes that if you cut them out, you wouldn't miss them. Uh, an iconic scene. The first, the when the alien laser blows up the White House. Uh, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, because you, we didn't, we knew that there was danger coming. We didn't know how bad it was going to be. Mm. So for these motherfuckers to basically come up into my backyard and point a laser, pointing a gun to my face, and there was nothing I can do to stop them, and then firing. No problem. And just basically saying, you are powerless against me. 
mm-hmm. until Windows 95 figured out a way to 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 get us XP. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> and yeah, even XP had problems, but it was just like, <clears throat> oh man, okay. Again, this movie doesn't have the best logic to it, but I don't care. It's amazing. It's fun. But yeah, that's okay. that's my iconic. Uh, hey man, who's getting your that guy award? That guy award. I'm gonna steal yours. I'm gonna I'm gonna have it as a tag team with uh, Stephen Hiller and David, um, Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith. Uh, like you said, Will Smith is the the uh, the bronze of the operation, while Goldblum is the uh, brains of the operation, and they work very well together. And I also like the fact that even though they've known each other for a short amount of time, they do kind of build a bit of a bond, um, including being at uh, Stephen's wedding before they decide to go up in space. Right. Um, I It kind of bums you out, because we didn't mention anything about the sequel to this movie, uh, and the fact that Goblin is in the sequel to this movie, and there is no Stephen Hiller, because they, they killed him off. Right, and they're so... And, Why and, make the movie? And at least leaves you curious, like, if Will Smith did agree to do the second one, what the hell would it would have been? There was, I don't, I don't see how there was a logical way to make a second. Oh, so they, second so they come back, what you're saying. Okay. Right. Oh, okay. Great. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for letting me know that. You're going to that Chick Award. That Chick Award is going to go to Jasmine Vivica Fox because, one, she's really the only real chick in here that you kind of follow except for uh, David's girl, but... At the same time, you know, I love how they played her as, yes, she's a stripper, but after the attack, she became a hero. Right. right. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. There, there's a sequence that she has with, like, with like the, the, the president's wife, and, and uh, she's like, oh, what, what did you do before? Oh, oh, I'm a dancer. Oh, I'm a dancer. Oh, ballet. She's all like, oh, no, exotic. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> she's like, oh, and I also love the fact I'm that I'm sorry. She's like, don't be. It's good money. I'm like, I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I support you. Single moms. I shake my ass. <laughs> uh, no, I also love the fact that that um, she had to her come up is come, comes in a way like, as she's as she's doing her little bit, her, her stripping bit. Nobody's paying attention. They're all watching the news. Right. I was like, oh, so there's no point in you even really being on the stage. They're all watching. They're, they're not looking at you. Right, right. I would have so, laughed so hard if she would have actually came down and just like sat down next to right. and started watching. What the fuck is going on? Oh, what's going on here? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. Jasmine. Uh, that Fool. That Fool Award, uh, I was it was going to go to uh, Dr. Oaken, but I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with uh, Secretary, Secretary of State, State because he just, he's just a weasel. He is a weasel. Because while you're going against everything that we're suggesting, you, sir, have Absolutely no plan <laughs> to suggest. So shut up. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I kept expecting him to say, what if it doesn't work? We don't know. We haven't tried it yet. We don't know. Maybe it does work. Maybe it doesn't. We're just figuring shit out. Millions have died in one day, sir. What if you're just a weasel? One day. What if you're just a weasel? One day. Shanghai is gone now. You can't get no Chinese food. One day. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Cut that out. Cut that out. Uh, I'm going to go with, and I don't really want to cut it out because it does kind of intertwine and it does relate back to the finale with uh, Russell Casey. The shit with him and his kids, man. I'm I, I I could do without the kids. Honestly, I really. It's weird because, in my opinion, it doesn't necessarily push the movie forward. 
it's just a side character with his own little side story. But at the same time, can that same side character, which is interesting for what we're working on now, but can that same side character exist without that kid's part being in it and just be him with his backstory about he's dealt with before? He's he's just a drunk. Well, but you need something redeemable about you, him. Absolutely, and, and that's why I'm kind of struggling with this cut it out with with cut it out because. You need that. If you just found out this dude was a drunk that got that 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 got sodomized by aliens, you don't feel sorry for him. You're like, oh, he dies. Well, at least he has some peace now. Well, <laughs> let's just say, let's just say, he he's a drunk, but he only became a drunk because he only became a drunk because of what happened because he was sodomized by the aliens. And in in that way, he lost his job. He lost his respect. Da, da, da. So the comeuppance of that is to sacrifice himself to save the day. That would have at least pushed the movie forward for me. Would I really have to deal with the kids? But it also, I, I guess I kind of disagree with you. And this is weird because this is your cut that out. I think you needed the kids to kind of make it seem like, hey, like like if he didn't have this, there's a good chance he probably like doesn't even survive the first wave like right. it wouldn't have made sense for him to survive because it's all like well we gotta get the hell out of here and then but you, you know who else is exactly like that woody harrelson in 2012 he uh, no he, he has a bit more substance to him no you don't think so no no that dude was also out of his mind no nah, he was out uh, of his mind and at the end of the day what did he want to do he just wanted to yeah man it's totally cool sacrifice ourselves and he dies and it's just like oh i remember i remember russell casey because he's at least a redeemable person that saves the world and plus it sounds like a diet i reason. can't remember woody harrelson's character's name what are you doing I don't know. I, well, I, if, that, if that was the case, then I would probably need more of to really kind of pinpoint what's the relationship between Russ Casey and his kids. And I can get down with yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, iconic scene. Mm, I don't want to take yours because you took mine, bastard. Um, I am going to go with that speech. Has to be that speech. Has to be the speech. Because this was a spoof. Honestly, it was it was only a spoof speech. If it was a spoof, this was, this was this was a speech that you know for a fact was taken from like five fucking different movies. It has to be because <laughs> because if this if this was a comedy, like a full blown comedy, like the next thing had to be just a crazy rave and everyone's just getting crazy drunk and shit. But yes, it pumps you up. That speech is definitely one of the more iconic speeches ever really said in movies. And even it's a ripoff of various speeches. Right. But the fact that we get to that last line that today we celebrate our Independence Day. And it's almost like the whole crowd goes, fuck yeah! <laughs> I, I, I'm pumped for that. You know what I'm saying? Even though it would have be, been hilarious that the very next season, Ron's getting raved, getting shit faced. Right, 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 shit faced. <laughs> the aliens come up and just fire anyway. Oh, oh, right. I forgot. Shit, that was today. That was today. Oh, I'm sorry. All right, so takeaways. Uh, we're trying quick hits. I'm, I'm, I'm getting up. Uh, I'm, I'm going back. Make signals. Quick hits. According to producer co-writer Dean Devlin, the U.S. military had agreed to support the film by allowing the crew to film at military bases, consulting the actors who have military roles, etc. However, after learning of the Area 51 references in the script, they withdrew their support. Oh, absolutely. 
Because I knew it was true. <laughs> oh, so you know this really going on. Okay. Uh, at around one hour and seven minutes into the movie, the scene in which Will Smith drags the unconscious alien across the desert was filmed on the Salt Flats near Great Salt Lake in Utah. Smith's line, and what the hell is that smell, was unscripted. Great Salt Lake is home up. Uh, uh, sorry, Great Salt Lake is home to tiny crustaceans of called sulfur. brine shrimp. Yeah. Uh, when they die, the bodies sink to the bottom of the lake, which isn't very deep, and decompose. When the wind kicks up just right, the bottom mud is disturbed, and the smell of millions of decaying brine shrimp can be very, oh, so very gross. bad. That's Apparently, so nobody warned Will Smith. <laughs> that's so gross. So when he says, what the hell is that smell? He really wants to know, what the fuck is that smell? <laughs> uh, Dean Devlin said the most said, said that most of the dialogue in the scenes Jeff Goldblum shared with Judd Hirsch and Will Smith was improvised. I could see that. All right. Uh, Director Roland Emmerich was notified one day that Robert Loja was very upset and refusing to leave his trailer. Several days earlier, producer Dean Devlin accidentally suggested to Loja that he watch Airplane from 1980 for inspiration when he actually intended to suggest Airport of 1970. Not familiar with either film, Lozier rented airplane and after watching it, had thought that he had unknowingly been participating in the production of a spoof movie. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Imagine pissing off Robert Lozier. <laughs> Imagine pissing off an actor because you, because you tricked them into casting into a spoof movie. Give them the wrong movie. To, oh my god! Did you even know Tom Cruise? Who didn't know he was in that film till like three years? Till like three years later. Come on, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, at uh, around two hours and ten minutes, Jeff Goldblum uses one of his lines <laughs> from Jurassic Park in this film. Must go faster. Must go faster. It's delivered with the same intensity. Uh, coming up, uh, let me see. The film was banned in Lebanon under pressure from Hezbollah because it included scenes where Israeli and Iraqi soldiers joined forces. In the montage where militaries around the world signed on to signed onto the U.S. plan to counteract the alien forces, for the last few decades, Lebanon officially boycotts any form of entertainment that features Israelis. All right. Uh, shot in 72 days, an unusually short period of time for such a big blockbuster. That is a quick. That is, that is pretty yeah. good. Yeah. All right. And uh, last but not least. Um, okay, cool. I like this one. Uh, the abbreviation ID4 was invented due to legal problems with the title Independence Day. Before 20th Century Fox reached a deal with Warner Brothers for the rights to the title, they suggested the film be called Invasion or Sky on Fire. Among many other titles. Yeah, no. Independence Day is too good of a title. Sky on Fire? Sky on Fire! No. Nah. Oh, God. That just sounds awful. Well, that's Independence Day, ladies and gentlemen. 23 years old. And the first movie of the Super Throwback Super September. Super Throwback September! Yeah! So we're back with another one next week. Uh, this is a good one. Yeah, I enjoyed it. This is a good one. Uh, we made no real mention of, of Independence Day, too. We don't really need to. There's nothing. We'll just there's act nothing like redeemable about it. Well, 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 I like it like it never happened. Yeah, yeah. sounds good, good to me. Uh, Danger Neff, what, where can they find you? You can always find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at David Danger Neff. I'm the co-host here at Back to the Classic, and it is high as a motherfucker. Right it really is. <laughs> um, I'm the co-host here at Back to the Classics. We obviously have opened this up. 
for Beat Studios. Once again, if you're interested into uh, gaming, podcasting, video editing, video podcasts, whatever, uh, holler at us. Uh, we are more than welcome to uh, to quote your price and give you an idea. You can also also check us out at BeatNetworkOnline.com. My partner in crime, Jay Alonzo. Where can they find you? You can find me on all the social media simply at I am Jay Alonzo. That's Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. You talk to me and I'll talk back. Of course, the Bats the Classics Movie Talk group on Facebook. Bats the Classics A Movie Talk group is jumping right now. Go ahead and jump on the side. A lot of people are really starting to jump on there and really kind of throw some stuff out there. It's, it's, yeah, including so. Los, which I think is really cool that Los yeah. is really getting more involved. Uh, as well as uh, follow us, follow the show. On uh, Instagram at BTTC Podcast, as well as on Twitter at BTTC Podcast. Uh, we got some stuff coming up, man. We cannot wait to announce more stuff. Shout out to Hollywood Kev, who was supposed to be with us today. Uh, but unfortunately, couldn't make it last minute. But we love that guy anyway. Always part of the family. Uh, said it, said it, didn't say it, said it, said it. We're done. I think you're good. With that being said, Super Throwback to the Classics. We'll be back with you guys next week with another super throwback, making the 90s feel more 90s, more 90s than you ever felt before, more <laughs> 90s on 90s, 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 90s. I love it. With that being That's said, amazing. I am Jay Alonzo. With me, of course, is... Danger Nath. We out here, y'all. See you next week. Peace. Peace.